Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, before we don't put any screen up yet, because I have a little introductory jazz to say. So I like that prayer, uh, Jay. Where'd Jay go? You hot? You're high. You was moving around. You shifty. It's like uh, get more kingdom in the people. Whoa! That w- yeah, that was good. That's what I said. That was that was pretty good. And I, I got to say, the uh, worship team, and maybe some of you look like you are having a little too much fun worshiping today. I don't know. It's very fun, right? This morning, I want to uh, talk about some good things that are happening. I, I, I'm kind of encouraged. I think other people are. Uh, what uh, our sister just mentioned about the Hoving home, and then last week there was this really boring testimony that we heard, and uh, it was so boring you all stood up. And uh, I made a joke, and, but it was, uh, it was uh, we've had several weeks of um, really good manifestations of Grace Illustrated, which is what our whole series has been about. Uh, just some comments. Uh, kids went out yesterday with uh, our youth work and uh, under Pastor Tim and his team and rubbed shoulders with people in our community. This is like new stuff for us lately, especially. And others have had some of this happen and uh, heard a little bit more this morning. Um, Deacons and deaconesses have been uh, taking their job seriously. I love it when on a Sunday that I invite people to come up for prayer, we have team members up here. That's a step forward and very encouraging. They look so good, too. So uh, that's been encouraging as well. And um, something I keep hearing, which is kind of cool. People in the room, especially after church, are actually having conversations about Jesus. Yes way, Ted. That, that dates me, doesn't it? Yeah. I know I'm getting, I, I, I had a little uh, humor because um, yesterday, uh, the uh, uh, Bigger and Better, is that what, Bigger and Better? Uh, yesterday, when they did the Bigger and Better, a couple of these uh, fine young people ended up at my house. And they come with a paper clip, and you have to give them something better in return. So I knew that my age and generation is passing away because I had a copy of The Far Side Gallery by Gary Larson. Maybe. What's it worth to you? Anyway, and, uh, and it's... Okay, so anyway, back on task. Anyway, they took something else cool that I gave them. It was really kind of neat. It went around. Not as good as the best stuff you brought. What was the best stuff? The, the uh, wicker furniture? They came home with wicker furniture. I hope there's no police blotters tomorrow that say, somebody took the porch furniture, whatever. Anyway, a lot of fun that we're out connecting with people out in the community. What are you, what are you talking about over there? A couch. That's right, I heard about that. So, uh, so there's some good things going on. It's encouraging. It's, uh, we're breaking out of some of the stuckness that I think we've had. And uh, we want to be encouraged to keep moving in a positive direction. God's meeting our needs. He's faithful. You may have noticed, uh, depending on the Sunday, maybe not so much today, but for several Sundays in a row, we've been pushing... Uh, you know, the volume of people who are coming and looking in, new visitors, 
And, um, and of course, we want everyone who crosses through the threshold here to hear the good news of Jesus, and if they've never put their trust in him, to do so. And that's why we're here. That's one of the reasons we're here, right? Uh, a primary one, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. But I just was thinking about uh, good things happening and recognizing that next month, a month from now, we're going to have our annual meeting. Now, church meetings, I mean, that very phrase right there, bunches of, how many of you have like in the inside of your mind, boring going by? And, uh, and they can be. Uh, we used to have meetings that were so exciting, everybody left charged up because of what the, what the Lord was doing and uh, just excited. I want us to get there, that it's excitement about what God is ultimately doing. But to move into the future, I've got some exhortations for us that I'll fold into my message today. Okay, So that's where I'm going to go. But I was thinking about that, like in terms of attendance, I, I, uh, I'm excited when... Um, People are engaged, thinking about kingdom stuff. And one of my deacons gave me this, um, this, uh, some, some information I'm going to read in a few minutes. And I got one of the Rainer and Howe printouts. You know, we quote Rainer all the time. Everybody know who I'm talking about? And, uh, and all he's doing is passing on to you what is common knowledge among healthy churches. Healthy churches know this stuff. Sometimes I read it and we go, whoa, and it's like healthy churches get that. But here was one, a guy named Carl Vodders. He was talking about size of church. He ministers to churches that are smaller. He loves smaller churches. So he loves us already. He doesn't even know who we are, but he loves us, right? Big churches are a small part because every time you have a conference or whatever, it's always hosted by big churches, right? Everything's always a big church. And by the way, you've heard me say before, don't be judgmental either direction. Sometimes people say, oh, small, I can't take those big churches. And some big churches, I can't take those small churches. It's like, neither one is right or wrong. God has a place for everyone. But here's the data. Big churches are a small part of the ecclesial landscape, That really should be ecclesiastical, I think. In fact, more than 90% of churches in America have fewer than 200 people. 90% have fewer than 200 people. Which means, a few weeks here we were pushing 200. You better watch out. Or you're going to be in the top 10%. And then there will be no living with you. You know what I mean? And, And it's too much work for me. No way. But isn't that kind of fun? Doesn't that jazz you a little bit? I mean, not, not because numbers aren't what matters. Really what matters, and the whole point of this article that I'm going to return full circle, health is what matters, not numbers. Health is really what matters. So with all that as a, um, as a uh, preamble to what I want to mention today. I'm going to ask you to take the Bible in your chair, unless you know your way in your own Bible, open your Bible to the book of Acts. Kind of an unusual text, really. Uh, A little bit different angle, and I'm still preaching my series on Grace Illustrated. Manifestations of the grace of God at work. But what happens, as does happen, all through our lives, we encounter moments of crisis or challenge, right? Times when things get a little bit confusing, and we don't quite know what we're supposed to do. And the very early church in the first century encountered one of those moments, and that's what we, in fact, 
want to press into. And there's implications for us that will help us, I hope, as we move ahead, we make decisions as a congregation next month and decisions into the future. We can learn from what happened in this portion in Acts chapter 15. By the way, if you don't know your way around the Bible, it's page 1107, 1107. That very page is where we're going to read in just a minute. Let me set up the text, though, before you start reading. I mean, how can a pastor ever say to a church, don't be reading the Bible in church, but right now, don't be reading, listen for a second, and then we're going to start. We're going to pick it up where we leave off, right? Here's the background. Jesus dies, rises again. His disciples see them. They preach the gospel to the people in the Roman Empire, which was a very rough Uh, environment culturally, and they win the day. By 300 years later, Christianity's winning the day. And a very unfortunate thing, fortunate and unfortunate at the same time, is that uh, the church becomes the official religion, which can always be a problem when politics and religion mix. Right? We're still trying to keep that figured out today. But the gospel's going forward with power. People are getting born again. And you know it started with the Jewish community. And under the ministry of the Apostle Paul and his colleagues, many, many Gentiles are coming to faith. These are two different cultures, two different religions, you know, in their mind. And we're not supposed to hang out together. Some people still think that kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> not supposed to. And in the early days of the gospel, Peter even who was really the minister to the Jewish community, gets called by God to go to a man's house in Acts chapter 10 called Cornelius. Anybody remember that? Anybody ever read that? He had a vision. He sends for Peter. Peter comes and preaches. And while he's preaching to these non-Jews, uncircumcised people, they're not converted to Judaism. They have respect for the God of Israel because they've seen God's favor on his people. And they want to know. And as he's preaching... This incredible thing happens. The Holy Spirit falls on the entire group. They get converted, filled with the Spirit, and start praising God. And they go, how many rules do you have to keep to get this to happen? They didn't have a chance to keep any rules. But as the gospel continued to go forward, some people come along who say, no, no, you have to keep these rules. You have to become a Jew first in order to really be a child of God. Well, the church is in turmoil. They have a big council. They come together, this huge church council in Acts chapter uh, 15, to decide who's right, what's right. Are we getting in trouble here? And as they're debating, and it's going back and forth, the leader, whose name is James, he's kind of the pastor at Jerusalem at this point. You might know who James is. He's actually the physical brother, blood brother of the Lord Jesus, if you will. It's one of them. He was a hardliner. He didn't want to buy into the Jesus movement until Jesus resurrected, showed up and said, hey, come on, get with it. Okay, I'm convinced now. And he was a very righteous man. He was referred to as James the Just. And if you don't think his devotional life was good enough, they said that he had knees like a camel because he prayed so much they were calloused. So here's a guy who had an appreciation for the law of God and doing right and not being off track. And all of a sudden, as all of these brothers and sisters are debating and dialoguing back and forth, the Spirit gives him the wisdom to speak up. And that's where we pick up. Verse 13 on page 1107, chapter 15 of the book of Acts. 
And after they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon, that's Peter, has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are, what does it say? Called by my name. Says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, from what is strangled, and from blood. For Moses, from ancient generations, has in every city those who preach him, and since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Well, the congregation says, that's the answer. And so they get together, they write a letter, and they say those words to all the non-Jewish parishioners in all the churches, and Paul and his colleagues and others go out and share that good news. And the result was the churches proceeded to grow, and the gospel advanced, and everybody was filled with joy. You can read the rest of it yourself. It's in there. So it's with that in mind that we want to unpack this section and make application to our own specific situation today. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We can petition for your help because we are in Christ. Because we who have trusted you, who have been born again to a living hope, have been granted your spirit to help lead us and instruct us and bear witness within our spirit. And Lord, we need your spirit to bear witness in our spirit. Thank you, Lord, for those brothers and sisters who are leaning in to hear. And thank you that you are not remaining silent. Help us today to have ears to hear. We need your spirit to help us, to move us into the future, in order that Jesus might be glorified. And we actually sang it this morning, that he might have what belongs to him, an inheritance among the nations, that the Lamb might gain the reward of his suffering, which is the souls of men and women for whom he died. Would you help us to be about your business, our Father's business? We often pray, if we know it by rote, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, on earth means right here at Harmony. And your kingdom needs to be in us more and more. In the name of Jesus, help us today to have ears that hear from you. Amen. Amen. All right, my title today is Future Grace, so I have to start by apologizing right out of the gate. I stole the title. Some of you have read John Piper's Future Grace. Anybody? It's around. Not too many. You're very bad morning. Something wrong? Okay. Future Grace. His book is actually about the grace he gives us to live into the future, and one day it's all going to get settled, right? We tend to think of it as more prophetic, but it's, I, from what I understand, I own it. I haven't read it. It's one of those books I have that I haven't read. 
just glancing, but anything by Piper is usually edifying, just to be blunt. But I stole his title to launch in a completely, not totally, but kind of different direction, if I might. Future grace. We need grace to carry us into the future together as an assembly. We need grace. Uh, Remember what grace is? It's unmerited, right? It is God giving favors to those who don't deserve it. You're all like, is there a trick here? No, it means you. (laughs) I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You get what I'm saying, right? God gives grace to those, undeserved favor, help to those who don't deserve it, and that's us. So I want to show you a picture here. Anybody know what that is? I've shown you this one other time. Who knows where this is? Somebody said the right word. Leave it to an an artsy person, right? Hagia Sophia, holy wisdom. That's the language translation. That is a, a, a basilica, a church building in Istanbul. Okay? Hagia Sophia. Let me say something about Hagia Sophia. Former Greek Orthodox Christian church. They did pretty well. They held their ground in that building for almost a thousand years. You know that? Almost a thousand years, from the 500s to the 1400s. Then it became a mosque. The exact opposite happened, right? And now, today, it is a center of spiritual power. It's a museum. Okay? What happened? So I was saying one of my uh, deacons was all excited was uh, your husband, as a matter of fact. He gave me this little piece of paper, something that was quoted from James Easley, pastor at Whitfield Baptist Church. Don't know a thing about him, but I sure like what he said. Listen to this. Thousands of churches in North America are not dying each year for lack of information, resources, or shared knowledge on best practices. We all get the Rainer letter. We got plenty of information. They are dying because they stopped following Jesus' plan for their church and followed their own preferences. Jesus has a plan and purpose for every church. Let me say that again. They're dying because they stopped following Jesus' plan for their church to follow their own preferences. Jesus does, in fact, have a plan and purpose for every church. He has a plan for your life. We have little booklets that say that, so I know it's true. (laughs) And he has a plan for his churches. So don't you think there might be a little bit of weight on us to find out what it is? Part of the answer is pretty easy because we know he's calling us to health, right? So that was, you know, when I came here, that was the first thing I saw we needed to aim for. You start growing in health spiritually, and some of that will get unpacked as we move along here. Churches, I could have used lots of photographs on the screen because there's so many. I've got places up where I used to live that are now houses or art, art uh, galleries or little storefronts somewhere along the line. And by the way, the building isn't the church. Right? The church could have moved on to a better building, but in most cases, the opposite happened. Now they are no more because they've stopped seeking what does Jesus have in mind 
So seeing the Holy Spirit, we don't want to miss the grace of God we need, the undeserved favor. He's still willing to give us if we will seek him to move ahead. So I want to give a quick survey out of this passage of Acts. I want to look at three things. And if you're a, a note taker, you have your bulletin. It's very simple. I want to look at the problem. I want to look at the principle that won the day and then how they solved it. Okay? So the problem, the principle that works every time and how they actually solved the problem. First thing, the problem was there was a debate. By the way, you might pick up on this. There were actually sides involved. Sides. <laughs> I said I was going to preach a sermon on uh, one time on church split. I'm going to get to it one of these days. Church split. Oh, don't say that here, please. Every church has a split. Did you know that? Those who follow the scripture and those who won't. Every church has got it. They had it here. No, we want it our way. Look, we're, you know, the gospel came through the Jews. We, we, had, we, we had it going. We had uh, synagogues and teaching in the word of God. And we, we uh, initiate our people into the community by circumcision. They convert to Judaism. Today we'd wear a yarmulke, you know. You do that. You do that, and then you can be a good Christian. Wait a minute. How do you explain what happened with Cornelius? Didn't do any of those things. I think you're mixing up the gospel here. Here's what the scripture says. Some men came down from Judea, began teaching the brethren. Unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Even after hearing the accounts of the, the Apostle Paul, seeing many, many, many non-Jews come into the kingdom, and they were loving God and enjoying God and having their lives transformed, even in the light of that, the Bible tells us in chapter 15, certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Even hearing about the grace of God, they were stuck. I'm just going to let you in on something. Uh, those guys lost the debate. <laughs> you know, when there's a debate, when there's a conflict, only one side. You can't both be right. One may be right. One may, you may both be wrong, but you can't both be right. Somebody had to lose, or did they? Did they have to lose? I think some did. Even after hearing the gospel, there was this digging in. You know, we have this tendency. I don't know if you're aware of this. If you became a Christian in the 70s, if you became a Christian in the 90s, depending on, depending on, you're, you're young, and depending on when that happened to you, our brain kind of locks in because for us, that's normative. So that means Bill Gaither is really the way to worship. Okay, I'm just, I'm, you can enjoy that. There are songs from my past I still enjoy, okay? I wouldn't dare bring those songs to this church. You'd all throw me out. No amens from you, bub. Anyway, are you following what I'm saying? We, we get born again a certain way. We think that's the way it always has to be. But here's the whole principle of the first point of the problem. The gospel never changes. Culture does. Culture changes. The gospel doesn't change. 
Where we get messed up is we confuse our cultural hang-ups with the gospel. They're two different things. Make sure you're talking gospel, not your culture. I always have this struggle with, the, and there's always, and I have it here. I, I hear it every so often. I'm going, wow. You have two extremes, and then you have the healthy middle, right? The extreme over here is legalism. You know, the old way we used to joke is, I don't dance, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. That's the old, that's the old line, you know. Now, now it's, I don't know what it is now. I recycle, you know. I guess that's legalistic. I, you know, I, I don't go on Facebook after all. Look what just happened to them. I mean, they're evil. Anyway, so there you go. Are you with me? That's le- No, wait, wait, wait. I'll give you a chance. We, uh, those of you who are visiting, we take Q&A in here. That's what that was. Okay, just so you know. Um, I'll get to you. So over here you have legalism. Well, this is how you do it. And this is the way you have to do church. And you have to have this. And you have to have, you have, to have an organ. You know, you have to have stained glass. You have No, you don't. It has nothing to do with the gospel. Not a thing. On the other end, you have legalists over there, libertines over here. Libertines say, oh, I'm so thankful that I can just get wasted on Saturday night, drag my butt in here at the end of the service and hear Pastor John say amen, stagger out, and Jesus just loves me the way I am. He's so cute and so... And it's like, yes, he does love you, and you may have the gospel in your life, but that is not godly living. All right, so I'm making a gross generalization, although it's probably true about some folks. Seriously. So, first, the problem. The gospel doesn't change. So they would not bend for these legalists who are saying, you have to do that. No, you don't have to do that. All you need to do is receive Jesus. Okay. Doesn't matter what your background. Oh, I, you know, I've been married 14 times. I have, uh, I have been uh, an addict for all this time. I uh, ripped off my boss in the past. Whatever it might happen to be, I, you know, I'm gender challenged. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Come as you are. That's the gospel. Come right now as you are. Remember when they used to have, what was it, St. Peter's uh, Fish Shop or something? You, know, you catch them and we'll clean them or something like that. Yeah, you catch them, we'll clean them. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit said. You catch them, we'll clean them. You, know, you don't have to fix everything first. Can you imagine what, how many people do you know? Oh, I'd love to come to church, but I've got to clean this part of my life. I've got, you know, I got to stop smoking. I've got to stop swearing. As I, no, you don't. God will work in your life. Let him do that. And, you know, there's priorities. We, we sometimes pick on the thing that bugs us the most. And uh, make that the most important thing. Let, you're not even touching the, the iceberg underneath. You know, there's so much that God wants to change. Anyway, I'm rambling enough. What's your question? Well, I, so I'm back with the, the original part where guys came down preaching. Legalism. Yes, yes. That's at the, you read the rest of the chapter later, that's what it says. They went back and comforted the churches. Exactly. Very good, yes? And here comes the principle. So we go from the problem to the principle. The principle is, 
15 through 17. Let me show you this. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. This is James speaking. Just as it is written, after these things I'll return, I'll rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it in order that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. All the Gentiles, all the outsiders who are called by my name. Just an aside, tabernacle of David, that's tabernacle, tent. That's not the palace. He didn't build the, the, uh, the temple. His son did. The tabernacle was that tent that even Moses met with God face to face. And that's where David met with God face to face. And he's going to rebuild that living faith relationship so that all the Gentiles can be included. That living faith gospel that we have come to inherit. So the words of the prophets agree with that. The great commentator, he was not always on on all his theology, but he had great history. And uh, William Barclay said this, The principle at stake was quite simple, completely fundamental. It was, is the gift of God for the select few or for all the world? If we possess it ourselves, are we to look at it as a privilege specially given to us? Or as a response, you know, I hear that chuckle, but that's how even Christians do. Our Hebrew, Hebrew neighbors are stuck on that. They're the chosen people. We're the outsiders. Instead of rec- recognizing that the prophets were saying you are to be a light to the Gentiles. That was the whole point of choosing his people, not because we're special and better than everyone, because we're the instruments to reach the lost. And that same thing falls, that same responsibility falls on the church of Jesus. The problem may not meet us nowadays in precisely the same way, but the fact remains that there still exist divisions between class and class, nation and nation, color and color, We only fully realize the true meaning of Christianity when all the middle walls of partition are broken down. Anyone who comes and is born from above is my brother or sister in Christ. They're not always right. They're not always cleaned up right away. Right, class? Okay. Yes, Pastor John. Haven't had to say that for a while. You're depressing me here. Okay. Everybody with me? That's the principle. Here's the second. First principle, the gospel never changes, culture does. Second principle, get the stumbling blocks out of the way. Don't put rules on people that God's not putting on them. Don't make it harder. So here comes the solution. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Here's what happened. They heard each other. They didn't say, shut up. You have no business saying anything. You're dumb. You don't know nothing. Haven't you read Calvin? No, he hasn't been written for 1,500 years, so I couldn't read Calvin yet. They didn't do that. They heard each other. They weighed the situation. Then they put what they had under the authority of the gospel they received, under the authority of the word. Oh, brothers and sisters, if there's a problem in the church in America today, it's that we don't believe that the word of God is the authority. So they put it under the gospel. What does the gospel say? Okay, that's where we have to park. And then, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom how to solve this. So here's what happened. First verse. Since we have heard that some of our number whom we gave you no instruction, 
Hmm. Boy, is that... <laughs> let me stay on task here. Since we have heard that some of our number who we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. First part. No instructions. Acting on our own, making mistakes. Um, This is just a small application for us at Harmony. I have to exhort us. Stop making calls in territory. I don't mean phone calls. I mean making decisions in territory that's not yours. Okay? Someone's in charge of a ministry. You make a decision that undermines... What they've decided, stop doing that. I've told you from the beginning, I've harped on this, don't start a ministry until you talk to me. Elisa, thank you for asking about the paint and sip almost. Thank you. (laughs) Because she just came to me, would that be okay? Dude, sounds great. Dudette, sounds great. Don't start it. We're not healthy enough at this point to just go off. And so what happens is we start this and we undermine the guy next to us. We start that and you just committed the whole church to us to do that and nobody wants to do that. Or whatever. It's amazing as the spirit starts to work and I start to hear people's stories, people are counseling and speaking and encouraging people and I listen and I go, hmm, isn't that interesting? It's totally wrong, but... Make sure you know what the Bible says. Otherwise, say, this is my opinion. I'll do that. When this is my opinion, I'll tell you, this is my opinion. I'm not totally sure about this. So that's my exhortation. Everybody survive that? Okay. I love you. I want to see us do well. I feel like the Spirit is moving among us. We don't want to grieve him. We don't want to push backwards on him, okay? What happened? We didn't send them. Oh, well, go back. Let me finish. I want to pick on everything here. Unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us having become one mind. That's what we need to look at now. The second part, here's what it says in the, in the next one. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. How many times in your life could you speak with authority like that? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. i got to tell you, I've had the privilege of seeing some really interesting things in my life. But one of them, I was in Africa. And uh, we were doing a conference with a bunch of pastors and leadership from churches, which include men and women. And Africa comes, uh, comes at Christianity a little more on the right wing. And so what, I was say- what I'm saying is there were wounds in the room as we were with all these pastors and their wives and w- women leaders from churches that we had no idea we were speaking into as we were ministering to these dear, dear brethren. And in the middle of it, the spirit showed up and started bringing reconciliation and healing. And it was like the church council in the book of Acts. We stood back. I was weeping because I'm with my team and I'm going, what right did we have to be part of this? Here's brothers and sisters preaching the gospel where they kill you for preaching the gospel. 
And they had come to this conference. I mean, I feel like I'm down here and they're here. And yet in the midst of it, the spirit starts to speak and they come to one mind. And an amazing moment of healing and solidity comes, solidarity for the church in Africa. It was an amazing thing to watch. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well, farewell. This is not new law. This is cultural sensitivity. With the exception of the word fornication, which is a universal sin no matter Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. Why does it put this way? Because in the Roman Empire, the Jews were the ones who lived out in the communities and tried to honor God. And one of those things is chastity. The Roman Empire was more like where America is today. There were no boundaries anywhere. No boundaries. So it was a general principle, but it is biblical. The other three things all have to do with Jewish sensibility. If I'm in the same church with you and I don't like certain clothes, and we know that everybody in that culture wears these clothes, and you come in with the different clothes, it was creating tension unnecessarily. Things like eating blood and uh, strangled animals, that kind of thing, that's all relating to the law. That was repulsive to a Jew. Repulsive. So most of the first Christians were Jews. And here they are sitting around, and a Gentile comes in, and he can do those things. And the Jewish guy is saying, How c- yikes, man, what's going on? Excuse me. <laughs> it was cultural sense. He said, you will do well if you keep these regulations just to make this unified body come together. Now I know missionaries today in Europe and other places where part of the bonding ceremonies people have is... This is probably not good if you haven't had breakfast. But some of that that's described is just part of the culture, and the missionaries have to go along if they're going to connect. Because they're not under law. The principle is that we're living together in unity, that we learn to love. In fact, I think Jesus said something about that. You know, I'm giving you a commandment that you love one another. Now, there's a whole sermon in itself right there, right? People from different backgrounds, there's going to be things that are a little uncomfortable, but we can, in fact, honor each other and listen to each other and grow together rather than have tension and war and whatever it might happen to be. So, the third principle is this. Hear each other, submit to the Bible, and seek the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Listen to each other. Submit to the Bible and seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. There are times in the history of the church and will happen again and will happen for us that we're up against a decision that has to be made. We're going to say, we don't really know what to do with this. Might not be super duper clear. Does the Bible say anything about it? If that's true, it says something about it, that settles the issue. Sometimes uh, we we had uh, a dialogue with a consultant recently. They were talking about in a Christian school up north where uh, sometimes parents are unhappy with what's happening in the school. Nobody here can relate to what I'm saying, I'm sure. And something just isn't going right. And 
the response was, well, we talk, we listen, we hear their concerns, we express um, compassion, we understand that you're frustrated, but I totally get that. Now comes reality. Here's what the Bible says. What are you going to do about that? Sir? I think you can. Can you? Yes, sir. Yes. Parallel. It's parallel. Yeah. Question? Oh, no. Here, here's what he's saying. Okay, this, by the way, this would be a whole separate sermon. Anybody ever heard of Adiaphora? Well, I've told you about it once here. <laughs> it's like four years ago. How come you don't remember? Huh? Adiaphora is the word for neutral. It doesn't matter. It's a cultural thing. It doesn't matter one way or the other. Paul says in the passage in 1 Corinthians, meat offered to idols is meat. Idols are nothing. When people worship the idols, they're worshiping demons. They don't even know it. So he says, when you go to buy meat in the market, and by the way, most of the meat in the marketplace had been offered to idols, you see. And he says, don't ask questions. If I don't know, my conscience isn't violated, and neither will anyone else's. Here was the problem. A new Christian who was worshiping Zeus last week sees you, Gene, go into the market and buy that meat that was offered to Zeus. I know it's the same meat because it's the same green color. I see it. And uh, back then, you know, they didn't have refrigeration. And I know he bought it. And I go, well, he's a Christian, so it must be okay to do that. And even though my conscience doesn't have that assurance that idols are nothing, I start to carry guilt and shame, and, I get, and that's called violating your brother's conscience. That's what the issue was with the Apostle Paul. Okay, They're really saying the same thing. So Paul said, better for you if they're... Sorry about that. Has she been worshiping Zeus or anything? Is it, okay, just, I'm just checking. I need to talk to her. I know, she, I heard you. I could, she went to work. Okay, so, but, ooh. Aww. As long as she feels bad, I'm happy. Okay, so, just kidding, just kidding. So they're really saying the same thing. And, and this, this passage is talking about when you're fellowshipping with your fellow Hebrew Christians and non-Hebrew Christians, we don't want to be offensive and, and like sandpaper on flesh. You know what I mean? Some people are still wondering about that. Email me your questions. Okay? Because we can't park on Adiaphora. I have to finish this. Okay? Here we go. Adiaphora are neutral things. It doesn't really matter. But that was the principle with that. And there's a parallel. He's saying the same thing to one another. So hear each other, submit to the Bible, and seek wisdom. So what's the application? Our application today. The gospel. Get it right. It's not about your pet, pet hang-ups, you know. Your, I, I love when uh, uh, David Clower gave his testimony last week, and he talked about his tattoos being scars, you know, and, uh, from, from his background, because probably it reflects a season of rebellion in his life. 
That doesn't mean everyone who has a tattoo is in rebellion. Although some people get them out of rebellion, even as Christians, but that's beside the point. That's your personal thing you have to work through, right? So that's adiaphora. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter, okay? Make sure you get the gospel right. Pet rules or pet rebellions. I have a... uh, People thought I was trying to look like Joe Pesci today because I had this ring on my finger. And uh, what this is is my graduation ring from seminary back in 1976. Nobody do the math. Stop. Uh, you, what? I was one year old. What? You were born that year. All right. You kids. All right. So this is... Uh, my graduation ring from the Conservative Baptist Theological Seminary. How do you like that? Conservative Baptist Theological they've changed the name because they're trying to be relevant today. They changed the name to Denver Seminary. The reason I brought this ring out is on the side, there's a little Bible with an inscription on it. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. It's where Paul says, people are aggravating me because they know I'm set apart for the defense of the gospel. It's our job to defend the true gospel, not someone else's version, the true gospel. Even if it rubs me a little wrong, I have to stand on it. Salvation is by grace alone. Whosoever will may come. It frees us from actual sin, not necessarily from our cultural hang-ups. When I became a new Christian, I literally worked in a place where I had to sign a contract saying I would not go to the movies, I would not go roller skating, because those were worldly activities. All you roller skaters, shame on you. (laughs) I mean, we're laughing because today it's like, what? Right? Today we go, what? Back then it was very serious. Right? It's culture. It's changed. That doesn't mean the same thing anymore. By the way, I think they got it wrong a little bit back then, too. By grace alone, and make sure that God is saving me from real sin, not from cultural hang-ups. The gospel doesn't change. Culture does. Second thing, outreach. God's forever intention is to win people to himself. God loves you. If you're in the room today and you don't know, who is this raving fossil up there? You know, God loves you and he wants you in his family. Do you understand? Jesus died to bring you to himself. It was the culmination of all the Old Testament, that whole book. that You pick up a Bible. How many of you looked at your black version of the Bible here today when, when I asked you to read it, right? All of this Old Testament stuff, all the way up to here, all of that is pushing, is pointing to the New Testament. It's pointing to Jesus coming. That's what he had in mind from the very beginning. His forever intention is to win his world. His his intention is to restore what was lost. Bring us back. Thank you, Jesus is right, whoever said that. Moshe Rosen was the founder of the Jews for Jesus. Anybody ever hear of them? One day he was in my office in Tucson, Arizona, when I was pastoring out there, and we were talking, and he had a funny way of telling He just, you know, I'm, I'm talking. Great guy. Founded that ministry, won a lot of Hebrew brethren to faith. Praise God. 
I love some of their music. Still do. It's old. Still love it. I won't force it on you. Maybe a little. Um, But anyway, he sat in the office and he said, you know, when I came to Christ, I went to a church. Now think of what I just said about the Jewish culture. Things strangled, blood, idols. He said, I walked into this church and they had this cross. And then they were going to have something called the Lord's Supper. And they were going to drink the blood of their Savior. And he went, what have I gotten into? Ick! One of our exhortations on our little Rainer things was, are we speaking a foreign language to the people we're trying to reach? They don't even know what. What are you people? Who are you? Try to think about. Put yourself in their shoes. Get the stumbling blocks out of the way. Major on majors, remove barriers as much as possible. Now I'm really going to meddle. You ready? I didn't really meddle earlier. I just, I just had to exhort what was broken and still happens sometimes. But here's this. This is why true, growing, spirit-filled Christians don't get hung up about whether you're wearing jeans or suits, whether you're in pews or seats, or sitting on the floor, whether you're singing songs or hymns, whether you have coffee in the sanctuary. We don't get hung up on any of that if we're walking in the Spirit. We can disagree. I don't think it's a good idea. Okay, let's listen to each other. Put it under the Bible and then say, Holy Spirit, okay, this is what we're going to do. Are you following what I'm saying? When we are stuck on those things, it's a reflection that we're stuck spiritually completely. We're stuck. So it doesn't matter. And by the way, when it comes to all of those things, you can sin on either side. Because some of you say, oh, I like what he just said. You know, I hate those hymns. I hate those worship songs. I refuse to sing those worship songs. Really? Have you ever thought about whether you're in rebellion? Because you're called to give glory to him. Open your mouth and praise him if you're his child. Come on. So there you go. (laughs) Get the stumbling blocks out of the way. Last thing, community. Listen, living together in grace... What did it say in the New Testament? Look how they love one another. A healthy congregation is winsome and attractive. You want to wonder why we have a hard time sometimes keeping new people? Duh! Somebody in that crowd lost the debate. One of those Pharisees might have gone home really angry. Well, if they're not going to do it my way, I'll find another church. Good luck in the first century. They didn't have them on every corner like we do now. You get what I'm saying? His mistake was submit to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Stop digging your heels in and defeating yourself. Because that's what he did, whoever he was. But most of them said, we get it. This is the Holy Spirit solving our problem. Hear each other, submit to the Bible, and then seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, how to navigate this little time of tension, whatever it might be. 
So we need to grow together as an assembly. And next month, we're going to decide some things. We're going to vote in some elders, I hope. I don't have time to unpack that I want to put together a church council because one of the things in the past is large portions of our congregation remained unheard, especially females. That's not going to happen on my watch. So we're going to have a council that kind of surrounds our elder team so that there's a flow back and forth and we can hear each other and submit to the Bible. We're going to... uh, put a logo out on that sign that a friend helped us get lit up again. Needs a, needs a facelift, friends. Big time. So we're going to do that. We need to work more toward our... I, I mentioned that we have two weeks of prayer coming up in a row. Yeah. We're not walking on anybody's meetings, and so let me encourage you. We need to ask God together. Help us. Gather together. Hashtag pray for one. This is uh, my brainstorm here. By the way, Jay, do we have uh, do we have the uh, what are the, what do you the domain on this? Where's Jay? Is he here? Huh? Because of the dot? I'm so mad. Okay, forget it. We're not doing it anymore. No. We'll do it anyway. Hashtag pray for one. This is forcing us, this is what this is all about. Uh, We haven't talked about this before much. I mentioned it. Praying for one, especially one outside of the family of God. Pray for one. Outward focus. Outward focus. We're not here to bring people from other people's churches. All that is is changing labels on the bottle. That's all. Musical chairs, you know, musical churches. That's what we love to do. Ooh, musical church. Oh, I don't like that, Pastor. I'll go to this one. Oh, I don't like that. He made me mad. <gasps> Somewhere along the line, figure it out. You're the problem. Okay, so there we go. Pray for one. I don't mean one time. I mean when that's your habit, if that's your habit, you're in trouble. Pray for one. I wanted to have the shirt on, but this shirt would have shown it underneath. I was going to do a Superman thing, you know, da 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 da, and open my shirt and pray for one. I can tell you really like that idea, but anyway. So we have shirts. I think they'll be witnessing tools and bumper stickers, right? Go ahead and get them. And do what it says pray for one. Nobody's going to monitor you, no one's going to see if you got your prayer answered at the end of the year. Did you get your prayer answered? No, not yet, you unspiritual person. We're not going to do that. Pray for one. Okay? All right, what did I forget? Yeah, let me read this. So one of Rainer's things talks about health. First, Carl Vodders again. Church health should be measured in three big buckets. Fulfilling the Great Commission, fulfilling the Great Commandment, You all know what that is? The Great Commission, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. The Great Commandment is, love one another, do unto others as, and the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. Church health is not the means to the end. Church health is the goal itself. If we're healthy, part of the outgrowth of health is that we are reaching out. Some more than others. 
Rainer talked about the resuscitated church. Let me just read this to you, just his bullets. One, how did they get there? How did they go from almost death to vibrant life? A prolonged period of prayer. Hello. A covenant to forsake self. Um, Isn't um, Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, wasn't it? I heard somebody say they read the second chapter and went, oh, no. It's like, it's not all about me. He actually said something like that? It's not all about me. Am I right? He said, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you're mean. I know, but you said it too. How mean can you get? Get over yourself. That's what it was. Francis Chan. Not me. Blame him. I don't like him either. Okay. A covenant to forsake self. That was part of the congregation's decision. We're done having to have it our way. A willingness to kill sacred cows. And by the way, sacred cows make great hamburgers. (laughs) Hey, I'm preaching here. Um, A commitment. Now, here's the important one. A commitment to see through the eyes of the outsider. Start thinking about how hard it is for them to get to Jesus because of our junk in the way. An agreement to connect and invite. How many of you think this is your church? Even if you're not a member, this is your church. Put it up again. How many of you think this is your church? Boy, a bunch of you aren't convinced. Every one of you are under assignment. Look for people in the room you don't know. This is easy. You're in a safe place in church for crying out loud. Look for people you don't know. Get to know them. Oh, I'd be too embarrassed because they've been coming for five years and I never asked them before. Oh, get over yourself and go ask. They'll forgive you. They'll be astounded. You'll be amazed. Agreement to connect and invite. And the last one doesn't matter. We're doing good. Let's keep going. We need the grace of God to help us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as I close in prayer. Thank you for putting up with me. And let me just say this. If you've been listening today in this thing that's global in its impact, it's universal in its reach, that Jesus wants everyone to come to know him. If you've never settled that and you're not sure, you think you're okay because somebody sprinkled you when you were a kid or whatever... You don't, want to, you don't want to depend on that. Come and find out what it means to know Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for the evidence of your spirit at work among us in a number of ways. And Lord, the last thing we need to do is sit back and say, oh, are we doing great. We're just barely getting out of our chair. Thank you, though. Thank you that our legs are being strengthened to get up, stand up, and to actually move forward into mission with our Master Jesus. Would you put your angels around your people this week, God? Fill us with yourself. Help us, uh, help us start inviting you to not only listen to each other, but to put ourselves under the authority of the Word. And then, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom how to apply this. Help us, we pray. And we'll thank you in the great name of Jesus, our Savior, and all of God's people said... Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. If you want to talk, come on up. We'll have some leaders up here.